Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Good morning and welcome back to Grindhouse, where we drink coffee and talk about movies. My name is Sean Tatro, and today with my girlfriend and co-host, Leah Diana, we will be winding back the reel to 1985. A delicious, mysterious goo that oozes from the earth is marked as the newest dessert sensation. But the tasty treat rots more than your teeth when zombie-like snackers who only want to consume more of the strange substance at any cost begin infesting the world in the stuff. Let's get into it. The stuff is here now. Great new day sensation. Light and free now. Welcome to elevation. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough of the stuff. The stuff. The taste that makes you hungry for more. The stuff. Taste that delivers. Enough is never enough. We interrupt this presentation with the following urgent message. Tonight, America is in grave danger. We are under alien attack by a popular dessert known as The Stuff. Here, Jason, take some. No, don't eat that. There is something alive in there. Tasty. There's something alive in yogurt. It's called benign bacteria. If the stuff is in your house, do not eat it. If you have it on your shelves, do not sell it. If you distribute this material, close your doors, make no more sales. Enough is never enough. Spread the word, you dirty cocksuckers. Tell all your grave robbing friends I want them out of the city now! The nightmare of insane murder. From the depths of hell. I always figured the year I was born was such a magical year. Back to the Future was made and released in 1985. A lot of good things happened in 1985. This is not one of them. You didn't like the movie? Oh my god. <laughs> Look, I'm I like horror. I like suspense. I like weird stuff. I don't know what it is about face melting and things coming out of people's throats. I don't like it. I can't. Just, I literally had to like watch something else on my phone during some parts because I was like, no, I'm going to throw up. It makes me sick to my stomach and I do not understand why. So hang on. Hang, hang on. Let me get this straight. 
You didn't like this movie because of the gross-out nature? It made me nauseous. That's not where I thought you were going. Really? Where did you think I was going to go? Personally, like, alright, so I haven't seen this movie in a very long time. Like, I saw this, and when I was much younger, I, I thought this was, like, I remember it very, like, moments. I don't really remember the movie mm. as a whole. So, like, this was almost like a fresh viewing for me. And it definitely wasn't what I thought I remembered. Well, you were much younger when you viewed this. So, like, I want to ask, how old do you think you were when you saw this? Ah, I don't know. It had to be, like... I'm guessing in the 90s. I was in probably 90s. in the double digits somewhere, I'm guessing but... you, it was the 90s. Late 90s or Yeah, 2000s. more than likely. So, should we get into this thing? I don't have step-by-step. Step. I have... Ew, nasty, disgusting, gross, what the fuck. Alright, so this movie was directed by Larry Cohen, written by Larry Cohen, produced by Larry Cohen. Now, for those of us who don't know who the hell Larry Cohen is... So, Larry Cohen was a big name in the film industry in basically the 70s, 80s. He's known for stuff like It's Alive, Maniac Cop... More recently, Cellular, Phone Booth. Not all of these he directed, but mm. he was involved yeah. in a lot of this stuff. His career is pretty diverse. He's done a lot of different things. He did a lot of horror at this time. Mm. A lot of his stuff has kind of gone on to be become like cult, camp, movies that weren't very good, but have gained have a, cult, a... Have cult following. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the film stars Michael Moriarty. Andrea Markovici, I believe is how you say it. Markovici, yeah. Sounds like it. Um, Garrett Morris and Paul Servino. It originally released June 14th, 1985. Made on a budget of about $1.7 million. I don't have any information on how much it brought in, though. Mm. So I'm not sure if this one was a success when it released, but apparently the movie was significantly trimmed in post-production. So there's more to this that we didn't see. Okay, that makes it feel... That, that I guess, makes it feel like there was some stuff missing. Like, some of the movie just didn't make sense. Yes. Some of the notes that I put down while watching this was like, the movie's very... It moves at a very fast pace, mm. but somehow feels longer than its actual runtime. Yeah. Which, I believe, the runtime for this was 87 minutes, but it feels more like two hours. It really does. So the fast pace of this, it actually ends up making the narrative kind of hard to follow and the character's motivations and intentions kind of get muddled. So you don't entirely yes. know what the fuck you're watching sometimes. The basic plot is there. Like, it's understandable, but it's not. Do you want to know what the basic plot was for me? Enlighten me. Kid gets angry at marshmallow fluff. Some adults think his anger is justified. They decide to toast the marshmallow fluff. End of story. I mean, that's basically it. My thing that, like, right in the beginning of the movie, right in the beginning, the absolute beginning of this movie, my words were, so some idiot decided to lick something off the ground and sell it to people as dessert. She is not joking I, when not joking. she says this. It literally, the movie starts off with no credits. It just hard cuts into a guy walking in the snow. In the middle of Georgia in a minefield, uh, a mining, a mining area. 
He's like, oh, there's stuff bubbling up. It tastes really good. What? Why was that his first thought? Let me put it in my mouth. <laughs> it's bubbling in the snow and it's got steam coming out of it. Don't touch it. Leave it alone. I don't know. I don't understand. That's another thing about this movie that is kind of odd. The whole thing has a very cheesy, somewhat wacky vibe to it. And I think that's somewhat, I think it's intentional to some degree. To some degree, because I feel like the two main characters were supposed to be serious. I'm sorry, I, I could not take any of those characters serious. No, everything is so underdeveloped. Our characters essentially are protagonists essentially consist of the marketing director for the stuff, a child, a random child, and a former FBI agent that turned was corporate spy, essentially? A corporate in in industrial spy who was paid by the people who wanted to buy the stuff but couldn't find out the ingredients, but then he went off the rails and found out that the stuff was bad stuff. Yeah. And, it... and I wish we were joking. I really do, because I wanted to, like, seriously get into this movie because I realized halfway through, oh, it's not a remake of The Blob. Because the remake of The Blob, there's a scene where this kid is just melted as the blob is going out a window. And I can't handle that scene, so I was waiting for that scene. And and at one point I was like, oh, this is the other this is the other movie where it looks like toasted marshmallow fluff is coming to kill you. Okay. I'm okay with this one. But they even did dubbing over some of the actors' moments. And the dubbing wasn't bad, but the tone wasn't conveyed in the dubbing. Right. Honestly, the I feel like this entire movie was ADR'd. And while it's very well done ADR in terms of like it matches the mouth movements for but the it most doesn't part. Match the emotions. There's z- everything is flat. There's, There's zero no fucking emotion throughout this entire movie. Even when the kid is freaking out in the supermarket and destroying everything, he is visibly on his face, like being very dramatic. And his exact ADR was ah, 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 ah. I'm like, <laughs> what is happening? Nobody in this movie feels like a real person. I mean, justified because the stuff, however much you eat it, I guess, the stuff like literally takes over your brain and takes over your body. Right, but I'm not talking about the infected people. Those were the only characters I believed. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Like the main central characters who never consume the stuff, they just they feel so hollow and empty and. There's no emotion or fear Mm. behind them at any point. Like, you're dealing with a substance, a creature, essentially, that's taking over the fucking planet, and nobody's afraid. (laughs) Like, you're all just, eh. At what point did you think it was a good idea to put tubes into a pool of white shit and feed it to Americans? They emphasized that it was only America that they were selling this to. Oh, okay. And one of the top things that... It said on Wikipedia, which oh, I gotta get off Paul Sorvino. I recognize Paul Sorvino only from the Rob uh, Romeo plus Juliet from 1996. Oh wow! <laughs> that I watched when I was 11, and I really should not have watched that when I was 11. Just saying. <laughs> I pulled a Sean at that moment. <laughs> the film is a satire on the American lifestyle and consumer society. Yeah. Holy yes. shit. Uh, that is very apparent very early on. Like, that this is a movie that's focusing on consumerism and money and greed, power. Wow. Like, 
This movie could be remade now. And it would make a lot of sense. Oh, God, yeah. Like, even down to the point, there's a moment late in the movie, like, very much towards the end, where the army, the militia group, whatever the hell they are, they mm. pull up into this town, and they make emphasis on a shot where the general, or what, colonel, colonel. Yeah. he stands up in, in the middle of his soldiers and he's like pay the cab drivers give them a 10% tip and get me receipts it's a small thing but it, there's such a focus on it for no goddamn reason like who cares why would you need why would you you're in the middle of a battle why would you care about that because the whole movie's about money so they're drawing your attention to the fact that it's the whole film is about financial gain essentially yeah and they don't want you to forget that. It's stupid. That's something that should have been cut, but it's there. No, because it went with when our main protagonist, I don't remember his name, and the and the marketing director were at the where they where they pulled us draw the stuff up in Georgia. She made a point to say, "Oh, you made sure to grab that, but you didn't grab my pocketbook." Yeah, there's a lot of that throughout this movie. All these little mentions of like money, and, money, and things related to yeah, money, so that you never and stuff. Like, I wonder what this director's mentality of the American consumer is now. When I can't even imagine. When example, it's it's a heck of an example, but it's an example. So Sean and I finally started watching Stranger Things. The new season. Yeah, the new season. And an example, we just got to episode four, or we just finished episode four. And we're way beyond spoiler points at this point. There is a song that everyone in the world is obsessed with now. It's Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill. Now, I listened to that song before I knew what it was about. And I was like, oh, this is a really good song. Nice synth. It's got a good message. And I remember hearing it when I was a kid because I listened to a lot of that synth music when I was growing up. And before we even knew about how powerful that scene is in Stranger Things, because holy shit, Sadie Sink. Yeah. That scene was incredible. No spoilers for this because there's got to be plenty of people who haven't really seen everything yet because Jesus Christ the Duffer Brothers decided let's make this movie length every every time. It's supposed to be a series not a Marvel movie <laughs> but now everyone in the world is obsessed with this Kate Bush song. Yeah. I mean to the point where the woman is a millionaire again. <laughs> like holy shit. And this shit just premiered on what May 27th? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah and that's it's a bit of a tangent that we're going down but like it drives me personally crazy like all of a sudden all these people are so this song is so popular because it was on stranger things but this song has been out for as long as i've been alive yeah like it's been out it's like 35 plus years old and this woman has incredible music but it's it's the consumerism of it where this song was a focal point in a show now this song is huge no hate to you because there is another song. We have not gotten there. I know what happens. Kind of. There is another song that has now become massively huge again. You won't know until we watch the last episode. But you're yeah. going to be like, your exact words are going to be like, what the fuck? Well, my whole thing is like, these songs have been around for all this time. And, you know, I'm very glad that new people are finding them. Stranger Things is bringing 80s music back with a passion. Yeah. Which I have no problem with. None. No. Like, I'm glad new audiences are finding 
the, these music because of Stranger Things, but I feel like it's so shitty that like people are there are certain people, not everyone, but certain people, certain generations. Have you heard this new song by Kate Bush? She's a great artist. I want to I want to get all her albums. They're pretending that they're the first people to ever hear it. Yeah. And it's like, fuck yourself. And there are a lot of people who are gatekeeping like, oh, if you weren't a fan of them before, you can't be a fan now. No, 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 no. No. That's not what we're saying either. Because that to me pisses me off more. I have, my siblings are in, born in the 80s, 90s, and the 2000s. Yeah. We're, we spread over three decades. I knew this music. I knew this song. And the first time I heard it, I was like, I know this song. I've heard this before when I was younger. And I was like, this is a great song. I completely forgot. I forgot about it. I can't believe it. Then, like, I think my younger sister, Paige, I think she heard it. And she was like, yeah, that's okay. I don't know if my sister Abigail's heard it yet. But my sister Abigail is in the, she's going to be, what, 17 this year? So she's in the other, the, the younger generation. That generation is like, oh my god, I'm totally obsessed with this. You have to listen to it. It's great. It's like it's been around as long as I have. So has yeah. so has this artist. So has this artist. Like these underground artists from the 80s that had one hit wonders that are now just but it, it is tangent aside. It is proof of what American consumerism can be. If something is massively popular and you place it in that show, movie, product. Is going to sell out. Starbucks is a big example. Cups sell out. Drinks sell out. Um, they feature something from Target in a TV show. It sell out, sells out. Like consumerism in America is ridiculous. It's it is. All right. So this movie is definitely ahead of its time in that proof because back then it was probably just a satire. It was supposed to be funny. Ha ha. Americans are ridiculous. No, now this movie is very relevant. Very relevant for if American consumers latch onto something, forget it, it's gone. I mean, consumerism at that time was a problem, but it is a fucking epidemic now. It is an epidemic. Like, there's certain things that once they gain popularity, you can never find them again. And it's disgusting. What's what's one thing that we can't find right now? I mean, off the top of my head, it's hard to think of something, but... Computers. Com- I, I computer have parts. J- I have a job. <laughs> Not right now. Because <laughs> I'm out of medical. But I'm not going to go on a medical tangent, guys. I'm sorry. Sean pointed out that <laughs> last episode I didn't shut up for a while, so sorry. But I work in a job where we need computer chips for certain parts. We haven't had them. I don't know what's up with them right now because I'm out of work. I don't know. All I know is my laptop, unfortunately, my MSI laptop I've had for like five or six years, the battery expanded, and that's very dangerous. It can be replaced, but I don't think the keyboard can be. So my laptop is kaput. I'm trying to look into building a laptop. Now, 10, 15 years ago, I used to build my, my own computers. Sorry, not build laptop, build a computer. I used to build my own computers. I used to spend on a graphics card, 120, $130, $200 if you wanted the best. Now, from what I understand, companies that sell them are putting in raffles or lotteries to where if you win the lottery, you have a chance to purchase that graphic card. And that graphic card could be anywhere between $600 to $1,800, depending on what you wanted to do. This is one part for a whole machine. One part. 
I have priced out what I've wanted for my own rig because I love building computers. I love having the option to do what I want with it. A computer that would have cost me about six or $700 10 years ago is now three to $4,000. And that's the proof that demand right now is ridiculous for some things that 10 years ago, nobody cared about. Who cared about being a computer gamer 10 years ago? Fucking nobody. Nobody. Now it's a fucking obsession. <laughs> yeah, oh. to a point where almost like it's hard to believe that people even buy consoles anymore. Like yeah. other video games because there's such a emphasis on, oh, if you don't play on a PC, then you're an asshole. I, I mean, like, that's how what? I feel. I mean, that is how you feel, <laughs> but that's fine. I'm a console gamer. You are a console gamer, and I'm a PC gamer. I, I like playing on PC because I feel I feel I have more control with a mouse and a keyboard. Which is fine. That's your personal preference. I have a problem with my EDS, with my thumbs. After, like, you've seen me on my little Switch. I have the handheld Switch Lite, um, and I love playing it, but after maybe about an hour playing it, my hands hurt from the EDS, my joints. So I have to put it down. And same thing with other controllers. But with the mouse and the keyboard, it feels easier on me. So it's not that I'm like, oh, you're an asshole if you don't play PC. I'm more, well, that's my preference because of what I deal with in life. I do have a Switch. I have played Xbox games. Um, I've never really played PlayStation games prior to um, SSX Tricky. The snowboarding game. <laughs> showing my uh, showing my age if people remember uh, the tricky games on the snowboard. Um, I played uh, Jack and Daxter for PlayStation. Yeah. I have tried to play Final Fantasy. I've tried to play at least 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And the one with lightning, which I think was 12 or 13. I'm not sure. I don't remember which number it was. I am going to say this and I'm probably going to get lynched. I do not like playing Final Fantasy games. I do not play, like, like playing Kingdom Hearts. I will watch somebody else play it for the storyline all day long. I am not a fan. <laughs> well, they're not for everybody. No, I don't like JRPGs. I, I, it's not that I hate them. It's just like, not my thing. So, But that's another consumerism thing. The minute PlayStation or Xbox says, oh, here's another machine. Sean, how long did it take you to get your PlayStation or your Xbox that are sitting there? Oh, God. It took me over a year to get the PlayStation and then close to two to get the another at least another six months to get an xbox and i didn't even get the the best xbox i yeah, got the we ended up step getting the, down the 1s we ended up getting the disc playstation we wanted the digital only but it plays blu-ray so we were like okay we can get that one we're still trying to get a switch yeah. because switches were so from the pandemic i only got the light one i wanted a regular one and then we can still get them now but we want to match our aesthetic, which we have a black entertainment center with white consoles. So I'm like, oh, I want the white OLED because the white only comes in the OLED. It's like $400. We don't have that kind of spending money right now, no. especially with me being out. But it's proof that American consumerism is crazy, especially when it comes to highly on-demand things. Yeah, and throughout this film, the... The obsession of the stuff just gets worse and worse and worse. But the thing that I noticed... I'm sure you noticed it too. It was like it literally from the moment we see this random guy discover the stuff coming out of the ground, the movie very quickly rushes to the point where it's in every household. It's a super advertised popular item. 
Like, we kind of just jump to that. Yeah, it goes from being some dude fingering a hole in the ground to eat it, which is disgusting. Don't eat things from the ground. Especially um, white things. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the scene where the stuff is in a refrigerator with a spoon in it, and the dad's just eating it. And I'm like... How fuck? Oh, wait, I need backstory. What did they do? How did they, how did you get to that point? Like even a little bit of a voiceover to like showing kind of like, oh, this is it's in a grocery store, stuff like that. A voiceover would have been nice to get yeah. a little more of a backstory on what happened. I mean, for God's sake, I would have been more happy with it if they so they cut from the guy finding the stuff the kid to not even to the well that's what they actually do yeah but they cut from the guy finding the stuff and if they had cut to right into an ad like the commercial yeah and they just show you that ad and then come into start showing you a little bit of the world and then we go to the kid okay okay i would that be makes fine sense. with that yeah. but the, the way it's pieced together now it feels so random it doesn't make sense because they don't build it up to the point where, okay, this stuff is bubbling out of the ground. The next scene we see is a kid, like, having what, what looks like a nightmare or he's had, mosquitoes are biting him or something. I think he he woke up, like, sweating, like it was hot yeah. or something. And then, also, why don't people from the 80s believe in screens in their windows? Uh, I don't know. There are bugs outside, people. Put screens in your windows. <laughs> And he's like, oh, I'm going to go downstairs. And he's like, opens the fridge because he was hungry. And the stuff's already moving around in the fridge. So we went from it bubbling in the earth to it's moving in a fridge. Nothing in the middle. Like, at that point, I was like, I am lost. Did I miss something? Did I look at my phone for too long? Like, what happened? It feels like they just put that scene in the wrong place. (laughs) But we're not really going to step by step through this one. Because it's... This as one's I, hard. Yeah, as I said, it's very hard to follow, and it would take us fucking forever. Um, we do get, in these early moments, introduced to the corporate espionage subplot, which introduces us to one of our protagonists. His name is David, but he calls himself Mo, and he tells the story a couple times throughout the movie that he, he likes people to call him Mo because whenever somebody gives him something, he wants Mo of it. I didn't hear that. He said it multiple times. Oh my god. <laughs> How did you not hear it? <laughs> I what the fuck? It's so stupid, but I didn't really think much of him at first. I thought he was just gonna be like a subplot, a side character. Mm. Nope. He's basically our hero. He is played by Michael Moriarty, um, who I've seen in many things throughout the years. I recognize the name, but I didn't recognize the face. Maybe he was too young. See, I didn't know him by name. I know him by face. But yeah, he shows up in tons of stuff. Um, in no pun intended. <laughs> oh in, dear God! In this, his character is very seedy. Like yeah, he, he he speaks with a bit of a southern drawl, and he's he's very shady. Like I mean, he is basically a spy. So I don't know. He's interesting. He's somewhat fun to watch at times. You, you wonder throughout the whole movie, like, what what is your motive? What are you getting out of this? Because if you were a former FBI agent, like, he, he says many times, oh, the FBI, they fired me, they kicked me out. So what were you trying to uncover that the FBI was like, no, we don't like that, get out? That's what I want to know. So to me, they the, the, the writer painted him as 
a really good guy. Like he's just out there to try to get the truth. He's just out there to kind of like figure out what's happening. And even though he got hired by, and I read it a little bit in the synopsis, uh, the ice cream companies that are suffering and Charles or chocolate chip Charles. <laughs> Dude, chocolate chip Charlie. Holy shit. I love that fucking character. Oh my God, he's character. a good character. He was. And I recognize him as the restaurant owner or the diner owner from Two Broke Girls. Yeah? Yeah, that's him, because it's in his uh, oh, okay. his Wikipedia. And I was like, oh! And that man is a badass in that, and this was 30 years ago. Like, um, yeah, the character, the actor, his name is Garrett Morris. Yeah. Um, he does show up in a ton of shit. I saw him, I was like, oh, hey, I know that dude. I thought he was... He's in Coneheads, he's in Ant-Man, How High... I don't Tons remember of TV. him. I don't remember him in Coneheads. He probably had a small bit part. He's a cab driver in Ant Man, so it's like he shows up in Psych, Shameless, so much television. I'm not joking. Oh this, my god, it's crazy. Yep, his television is. Oh, he was in the Jamie Foxx show. I remember him. Okay. This character in this movie, like from the moment we meet him, he has a crazy like black exploitation oh vibe to him. Oh my god! So much so, so that cool. they even he does kung fu, and he even at one point says that his fists are registered as lethal weapons. Oh my god! <laughs> like it's so fucking funny. Oh, so good. He, he probably was the better character in my opinion. Oh yeah, and he's in like two or three scenes like he's not in much of the movie at all mm. but he was awesome <laughs> I'm, i loved him so I'm, I'm looking into michael moriarty and he was in the 1987 horror film dark tower which has no relation to stephen king's dark tower no different thing i was hoping it it, it was related but i'm looking at it i just saw it quick and i was mm. like oh i've heard of that movie I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. I'm just trying to see what else this guy was in to know if I... Earthquake in New York. I've seen that. I don't remember him. Leah, I need to interrupt your research for a second. Oh, God. Because I have the most amazing fun fact in front of me. Oh, do it. Chocolate Chip Charlie was inspired by Famous Amos Cookies. True story. Could they have done a better cookie? Because Famous Amos sucks. It does suck. But... Maybe they should have, um, what is the name of the cookies they used to sell in malls? Mrs. Something. Mrs. Fields. Oh, God. Mrs. Fields. Mrs. Fields. It could have been Mr. Fields. My hands are registered lethal weapons. No, it, it was pretty cool it being in. But the way they introduced Chocolate Chip Charlie, it was like, it was a random car that just showed up on a street. And our protagonist, Mo, um, goes up to the car and Chocolate Chip Charlie is like, what? Comes out from behind the car and attacks him. I'm like, oh God, what it is, is happening? so hilarious. It was so like, and let's talk about the racism that happens in this movie. Oh my God. My only note on that was when it, ha- when it comes up yep. was yay racism. <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, it, baffles me how in 1985 they thought that was okay to put on the big screen it, because unfortunately it was still very much and it's like, prominent oh my god like the civil rights movement was only 30 years prior to that yes i know the context that it's used in is why they were okay with doing it and like i think they used it appropriately only because like it's said by this aging colonel who who you could tell has 
a way of thinking, not a political, not a politically correct way of thinking, and I don't condone it. No, but no, you no. can see why when they made this movie in 1985, they did that. Yeah. And I, oh my god, I was just sitting there. My face was like, why? I get so cringe at. Like, I used to never either, and that's the that's the kind of reality that it's being pointed out to us how bad it is. Because, I, I hate to say it, like, I was in my own little bubble. I never really knew how bad it was. Yeah. Growing up, I really enjoyed the Civil War. I really enjoyed going to Gettysburg and learning about everything we had to learn about it, and the battles, and all that stuff, and the stories. But I never understood why as a kid i only knew that this battle was a turning point for this war and it was a crucial moment in in history but i didn't understand the why or the implications of why this happened now that i'm in my 30s and all of this is being brought to my attention i'm like oh my god why did i enjoy this stuff why was i okay why was i sitting here watching gettysburg being okay with sympathizing with the southern generals again the way American media portrays things. Like, a simple racist joke made the two of us cringe like, oh dear lord, guys. But back in the 80s, that was a laughter point. Yeah, That was a point where everybody would laugh in the movie. And it points out how you're not taught what is right and wrong properly anymore. Now you are. Now people are like, that's wrong. My bad. I will never do it again. I will never condone it again. But it's like, damn! <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> and you can't talk about Chocolate Chip Charlie without talking about the way his character is portrayed. He is a stereotypical character that people are like, oh, well, we can make the racist jokes about him because he is embodying that. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 well, no. <laughs> he's embodying the way black characters at that time were... That black exploitation like, character. ...were presented in yeah. movies. Like, a lot of... Black actors did black exploitation films, and they were always portrayed with this like zany wackiness, partially of their own accord. I mean, a lot of that comes from stuff that like Rudy Ray Moore did, which I can't wait to get into his stuff later Rudy down the road. Rudy Ray Moore, I've never Rudy is, Ray Moore. Rudy Ray Moore is okay. Anything to do with Shaft? No. But those are black exploitation movies. Yes. Okay. Rudy Ray Moore did stuff like Petey Wheatstraw. And, um... Never heard of that. I think it was Human Tornado is another one. Are these Grindhouse movies? Yeah. Black Exploitation Falls and... Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. We were opening a whole new door for me. Yeah. Uh, one, I can't wait until we reach st- some stuff like that. That's going to be fun to talk about, and they're hilariously fun to watch. But pivoting back in to the movie itself... As you said, the early moments of this movie kind of... They don't pave the way for coherence very well yeah the movie jumps around quite a bit especially at the beginning here like before our characters all meet each other like we're following jason we're following mo we're following like the promotion of the stuff Mm. like we keep we're jumping around a lot and i thought it was kind of funny that like our young protagonist here jason he sees the stuff moving in the fridge in the middle of the night and it almost it like immediately ignites this mission that he has to keep everyone from eating it. So like the next time we see him, he's in the Literally convenience store. destroying a grocery store. Oh my god. Like he starts, he walks up to this little kid in a carriage and he just like steals his stuff from him and throws it on the floor. But then all of the people freak out. Like it's not just, hey kids, stop destroying the store. It's don't touch the stuff. Like they're flipping out that he's destroying just that. 
Yeah. Like they well, didn't care about the fact that he broke the glass for the the freezer door. They cared about he was destroying. He's the destroying the product. Yeah. He's destroying their most popular product. Yeah. The thing that they're all obsessed about. But then his scene with his family, that made a little more sense. Yes. Where he's like seeing the fact that they're getting obsessed with it and they're very different now. And they're only buying the, the stuff. stuff. They like threw the, out all the other food. All the food was thrown out except for the stuff. And the only thing in the garbage can besides the old food was empty containers of the stuff. And I mean, like, it looked like you worked at a Ben and Jerry's factory and they were just cartons everywhere. I was like, yes. oh, wow. Dozens. Well, then they show you the inside of the fridge and, and it's, it's literally containers of different sizes of the stuff. Which leads me to, and I think the viewers are supposed to understand that when it's warm, it's alive. When it's cold, it's dormant. I don't know if that's the intention. I feel like it should have been more because the stuff was moving in the fridge without with it being cold. But I think they should have made a more emphasis like, oh, people don't know it when it's cold because it's dormant. But once it goes into your body and it reaches a certain temperature then the alien or the creature or whatever it is, they call it an alien in the synopsis. Yeah. The alien, like, becomes active again and starts, you know... Because you don't see the stuff really doing much in the containers. No, usually, like, it sits in there. Like, it's almost... But actually, it's part of the, the little jingle that they have for it that mm. it, like... It never melts. Like it's it's like ice cream, but it doesn't need to be kept cold. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's a weird substance. It's I don't know. Like the rules of the creature are not made clear. No. And I wish they were. So the kid like is there's a scene where the kid was with his family and they're all eating stuff and they force him to eat the stuff. And he throws it into the toilet, it becomes active, so he flushes it, he fills it with shaving cream. So eats the shaving cream in front of his family, doesn't flinch, pretty good kid. Then he runs away. I think our, it, I think the they were trying to say like, oh, it's making him sick, so he yeah. ran away. Yep. Um and then he gets in Mo's Moja shows up. Out of nowhere shows up at the kid's house. So there is a there scene a new, before that where... There was a news where, article that he saw, but how the hell did he get all that info right away? The guy, uh, so in like a scene or two right before that, they show Mo at the the lab that he's working with. Mm. And one of the tech lab techs tells him, shows him the news article saying like, oh, some kid doesn't like the stuff. And I think they mentioned that he saw it, he says he saw it move in the article. Mm. So like he... Like we see him rush out of the lab, I gotta go, kind of thing, and then he, we see him show up there. So yeah. you, you assume he just went to get the kid. The whole movie's disjointed, so it feels weird. Yeah, it does feel weird. I'd like to discuss the the effects a little bit. Oh boy, this movie employs the use of a lot of different techniques. So you have like it uses reverse cinematography at some points. It uses. Um, angled sets and like a bunch of other tricks to kind of make give this illusion of the stuff being alive mm. and it, it's a lot of the same stuff that the blob used and a bunch of other movies have used in fact one cool thing is that the the scene in the motel where the stuff rips out of the bed mm. and which I thought that was kind of cool that they stuffed the bed with stuff 
so that they could kill them. <laughs> it was weird. It was weird. But that whole scene, so you see it crawling up the wall and they're lighting it on fire. That was actually the same exact set that was used in the original Nightmare on Elm Street when Johnny Depp got pulled into the oh. bed. So that they used the same set, repurposed it for that scene. Because when you see this scene with... Because we haven't done it on this podcast yet. We will eventually. Oh, eventually. We're going to do the classics, guys, eventually. Watching that scene was like Johnny Depp gets sucked in. Him and his TV go into the waterbed. And then the blood comes out. But when you're watching it, you're like... Nowadays, you're like... It's just... That set's just upside down and they're pouring blood into a hole. But back then... That scene, if you mentally get back into the 80s, that scene is incredible. And just trying to figure out how they did it as somebody in the 80s would have just baffled you. Now, I mean, here's an example. Back in the early 2000s when I would watch Making the Video with MTV, they showed that trick with NSYNC. They showed that whole room trick, which I kind of was like, oh, that's really cool. So you know exactly how that scene in Nightmare on Elm Street is done. It's just an inverted room. Um, or the cameras turn around, it, you know, whatever that needs to be it's done. It's a rotating room, generally. And it's really cool. It's a very cool effect. Nowadays, it's, like, not as impressive. Right. You gotta do crazier stuff. I think Inception did that with the spinning room where they're fighting. Yeah, the hallway, the yes. The hallway scene, which is incredible, but that is an example of a modern... Uh, improvement to that one scene, which is really cool. What I was more concerned about is it looked like there was a lot of flammable fluid all over that set. Because it probably was. And I was like, oh my God, that flame is really close to the actor who is like kind of like on the ground swimming in that stuff. Yeah. I was like, oof, that does not look, that doesn't look very safe. Well, to be fair, I'm sure that was a trained stuntman. Yeah. Like, I'm sure he knew what he was getting into. I don't believe the actors knew what they were getting into on certain scenes in this movie. Because apparently, uh, according to Larry Cohen himself, in some scenes, the stuff that's chasing the characters is made of a... It's a foam made of blended fish bones. So... Apparently, it stank so much that as soon as the shots were done, the actors would, like, run to a river that was nearby so they could bathe the stench off of themselves. I can't blame them. I feel bad. That sucks. (laughs) The shit they used to do in the 80s. Thank God for CGI at some points, huh? Oh, yeah. Well... Yeah, nowadays, if they tried to, like, remake this movie, essentially it would be a big CG monster. Honestly... It's cool that... So we're not really going to go through pinpoints of this movie, obviously, because it's it's too crazy, it's too confusing. But I did like the fact that the blob had a shape... Not the blob, I'm sorry. The, the stuff. stuff. I get these movies confused. The stuff had a shape, shape when they were siphoning it from the crater, whatever the hell it was living yeah, in. Yeah, it was like reaching out almost. Yeah, it was coming, it was reaching out, it was like... And I want more backstory where this alien substance came from. Is it a natural thing on our planet? Is it something the Earth warmed up? Is it a meteor thing? Well, they keep saying throughout the movie that it comes from deep in the Earth, from like the core of the planet Mm. or something. And so we can assume that it's Earth-born, but it's just like this weird, mysterious, maybe Lovecraftian 
substance mm. uh, that's just always been here. And our mining of the planet is what unleashed it. Like, I don't know. It's kind of it's glossed over. It's not something that they go in depth on. And I kind of wish they would have. Mm. You get a nice, uh, nice cameo in this movie. Uh, quick, quick scene that features Abe Vigoda and uh, Clara Peller. Uh, Clara Peller, you probably wouldn't know by name, but she's the infamous Where's the Beef lady. Oh, yeah, you pointed her out to me. You were like, oh, it's the, it's the Where's the Beef lady. I'm like, I had to Google it, and I was like, oh! I felt so terrible because I thought the Where's the Beef lady was so funny when I was younger. Where's the beef? Where's the stuff? That's what she says. Yeah. There is a scene where one of the... He wasn't part of the, the actual scientific part of it, but he was like a uh, accountant or somebody who did data entry for it. And he was feeding the stuff to his dog. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then all of a sudden, the dog just goes fucking nuts and attacks him, and the stuff comes out of the dog. And it was like, ugh. And it's a big old fucking Doberman, like, pin, big old Doberman kind of dog. And it's terrifying when those dogs start to get mean. But then you couple it with the dog's mouth opening wider and the stuff coming out. I'm like, oh, this is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> like, like there's a lot of effects throughout this movie that showcase the stuff coming back out of people. And I thought those were the, the highlights mm. of it because you get these like elaborate practical puppets that are like gaping mouths and like the goo is just coming out. Let's talk about chocolate chip Charlie's scene then. Oh, yeah, he has one of the best ones. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Like, His head morphs, like, immensely. Immensely, <laughs> and then when the stuff comes out of it, it explodes his head and it's in pieces on the ground and you've seen other scenes where other people's mouths just open wide it comes out and then they're fine but this one was like holy shit it was so much that you're wondering okay chocolate chip charlie was adamant about not eating this stuff and finding out where it came from 
and now I want to know what happened to him. Yeah, we don't get to see that. We don't know what happened to Chocolate Chip Charlie for him to be have killed by the stuff at this point. I just, uh, in that moment when he started to turn, I, my only note was, no, not Charlie. I know. Charlie's such a badass character. And you can see that he's there on good intentions, but it morphs. Like, you can see the stuff starting to take over him, and he's he's fighting. You can see he's fighting it, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not Charlie. Charlie. Charlie was cool. R.I.P. Charlie. R.I.P. So where they have some good effects, there are some horrible effects. Oh, yes. Like, poor Jason inside of the oil tanker-type container with the green screen. They yeah. didn't even hide the fact that it was a green screen at None all. of the green screen in this movie holds up at all. None of it. You can see very much that the characters are composited into another shot and like you can see the glowing green edge around them because they didn't do it properly. Yep. Granted, this was a different time. It was a different method for doing it, so I'm sure it was harder back then. Now it's much easier. It's It looks... Very bad. So bad. But what are you going to do? Make it better. Honestly, like those moments for me made this feel like a uh, like a 50s B movie. So like there are scenes in like the original blob where people are composited over shots of like the blob, which was like a much smaller thing that was shot. Mm. And it looks very similar, not with the green outline, but you can very much tell. It's like, oh, they're just not actually in that shot. Yeah, because the 1950s blob was in black and white, correct? Uh, they colorized it, too. They did colorize yeah. it? Yeah. Like, that's further compounded. There's another scene later, late in the movie. It's actually... they could. It's part of the scene where Charlie turns, where he, like, uh, Mo breaks into the room, he breaks through the glass, that looks like shit. Yep. And he's lighting the thing, the thing on fire, and it's this big puppet that's, like, on the ground, flailing. flailing. Yep. And that whole scene, I just felt like I was watching a bee movie, like, it, a bee monster movie. It was so fucking funny, and everything looked like shit, all the effects were garbage. You're <laughs> just sitting there like, um... I hate this. Oh, I I thought it was hilarious, but I'm a fan of like all this old you, shit. <laughs> like, it's not a bad thing to be a fan of this old shit, but there are going to be moments where I'm going to cringe because like my first big movie that I really loved the 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 CGI and the 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 special effects was Lord of the Rings. I never paid attention until Lord of the Rings. Like, even when I first saw The Matrix, I didn't really see it right in 99. I think it was, like, much later. Like, right before the second movie came out, I think that's when I saw the first Matrix. And I even was like, that's that doesn't look right. That looks a little funky to me. So I could always kind of pull out what didn't look real and what could. And, I don't know, just every time I see bad special effects, I'm like, ugh. Yeah, once you notice them, it's hard to unsee them. I mean, even my favorite movies, which, Labyrinth, which we are going to review, so I'm not going to go in depth. I love that movie. I love that movie so much. It is my f- one of my favorite fucking movies in the world. It still has its bad moments. Oh, it's got flaws. Trust me. So many flaws. Um, uh, so I have a question. Okay. There is a scene 
where I put, what did he do to his eye? Who? So I want to say when. Oh, I think I know which. When the dude shows up with the girl with the truck and like something happens to his eye and then Mo drives over him in the oil tanker thing and he just completely goes in two. So, yeah, I made note of this scene as well. Um, so, yeah, the scene essentially plays out the girl who I don't remember her name. Nope. Uh, she takes Jason and they're trying to get away. Um, they get attacked by one of the the infected, which, side note, they call the infected people of this movie stuffies, which I thought was hilarious. I'm sorry, here in Rhode Island, a stuffy is a quahog shell stuffed with quahogs and chorizo and stuffing mix, and they're delicious. Whoever called these stuffies is going to hell. Just uh, saying. I, I thought it was funny. So they're getting chased by one of these stuffies, and they get attacked, and Mo shows up in the truck. So, like, while she's getting attacked, she's, like, I think she's supposed to have scratched his eye. But it looked like he almost clawed his whole face up. Yeah, she, like, scratches his eye, and he, like, jolts back, and Mo runs over his legs with the truck, which somehow causes his, his head to explode. And his, <laughs> his, his torso, like, midway torso and his bottom to be separated. I'm like, guys... No. Continuity. <laughs> now, my only thought was that, like, the intention was supposed to be, like, that toothpaste effect where they, like, run over his bottom half and everything pushes out the top. That, yeah. But it didn't look right. It's just like, oh, you ran over my legs and my fucking head exploded. I mean, maybe the, <laughs> maybe the, the composite <clears throat> material of what the stuff actually is could have caused some sort of reaction like that. Oh, maybe it was trying to escape. And it just knew that it had to, oh, I gotta go. I gotta rush out. Yeah, so it, and just it just exploded his through head. his head. That's, maybe now that you're describing it, that's what I'm thinking. Okay. That would make more sense. But why was he cut into two pieces? I don't fucking know. It was very dumb. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a lot. Um, nope, that's a line I'm saying. I thought it was a, a cool idea. Like we've seen it done in many other movies, but mm. like I thought the thought it was cool that they used the the whole motif of like the stuff kind of seems to change people the more they consume it, and like it starts to like cause them to act like a collective that they just yearn to spread yeah. and like force more people to consume it. It's like a virus. Like it, it was really, it was interesting. I don't know. I thought it was kind of added a, a, another layer to the story. There were a lot of, there were a lot of points for the story, but none of them really truly connected correctly, in my opinion. No, I agree. So, like, yeah, that would have been a great point. I wish they would have picked one of these many like plot lines and ran with one. If you would have just ran with one plot line and stayed there, it would have been great. There were like four simultaneously, and then they converged, and then they never touched on those. Like, what happened to the kid's family? We did eventually touch on what happens to the people that Mo hired, or, or that hired Mo. Yeah. We don't know true. what happened to the woman's job. She was the top marketing person for the stuff. Like, what happens to that point? 
she at one point gets attacked by the stuff in that little booth, that radio booth, and it looks like it goes in her mouth. So is she now, does she now, did she consume the stuff? We assume not based on the ending. Yeah, which she goes on national television and pretty much apologizes. This is my fault. How is it your fault you were paid to do a job? Uh, like she, t- she's like, I take all the blame. What? Like that like, pissed me off. At the you end. didn't I'm like, discover the shit. Didn't do anything. <laughs> the people that discovered this, Mo had already said, everyone who was originally involved is either moved away or mysteriously moved away or dead. Yeah. So everybody who originally found the stuff is gone. So why are you taking the blame for being a hired marketing director? I was like. What? To me, it was like, what, are we blaming the woman for something? (laughs) Is she the scapegoat? Like, that's what got me. I don't know if necessarily that's true. But at the same point, it's like, what the fuck? Like, why not be honest and be like, hey, some dude stuck his finger in the earth and decided it tastes good. He's dead. So now we have to fix it up, clean it up. Well, since we're on this topic... Why don't we talk about the the marketing in the movie? Okay. So this movie uses a lot of fake ads, like, throughout the entire thing. Mm -hmm. So there's a heavy focus on um, the... We've already discussed the consumerism aspect, but we've got... We see painted billboards, tons of signage. There's, like, hot dog carts... For the stuff, chain restaurants. Yeah, right next, right between like a McDonald's and a Burger King, there was a stuff restaurant. Yeah. And uh, Mo comments that it's two thirty in the morning and they're still obsessed with eating this. Yeah. There's grocery store displays, and we even see commercials. It was like a lingerie commercial where they were eating stuff, or a bathing suit commercial. And I'd actually like to pause our conversation here and actually let you listen to this ad. The street is here now. Great new day sensation. Light and free now. Welcome to elevation. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough of the stuff. The stuff. The taste that makes you hungry for more. The stuff. Taste that delivers. Enough is never enough. It's fucking ridiculous. It's catchy. It's very catchy. And listening to the lyrics of it, you just you hear all of like these funny little facts about it. Like mm. they talk about in the this jingle, like how it just doesn't the stuff doesn't melt and it's like great for you. Yeah. It's gonna you, end world hunger. It's gonna end world hunger and even like the mom at one point says, oh, I've lost so much weight from eating this. Because an alien is crawling out of your fucking body at night, lady. (laughs) They tried it on Doctor Who. It didn't work. It's so weird. And I, I don't know. I think the, the oddness of it all is why I like the movie. Why I have fun watching it. You like any kind of these movies. You like, you like film. I do. You like movies. With an emphasis on you really like late 70s to 80s movies. You really do. And I absolutely love that, that you love these movies. This one was definitely an example of too many ideas, way too much time, and not enough thought. 
Yeah. If this director would have had somebody else look at this script, or maybe his 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 ideas, and been like, why don't we narrow it down a little? This could have been a remarkable horror movie. Well, the problem is that this movie came out during a time where you didn't have to put very much thought. Like you, all you had to have was a notion of an idea, and a studio would be like, yeah, here's a million dollars, go make that real quick in a weekend and we'll push it out in theaters. But you think about this movie versus The Thing, the remake. Yeah. That was, in my opinion, kind of the same thing. Oh, it is. This is very much like a mashup between The Thing and The Blob. Yeah. Like, it's basically those two movies put together and then you got this. The Thing was more terrifying. The Thing had a concrete, firm idea yeah the same thing an alien organism in the earth wakes up and terrorizes these people the stuff is an alien organism underground that we decide to eat the whole point of let's put this in our bodies but we don't know what it is sounds very very familiar to what people do today like because I've had a lot of health issues. We've decided to change our entire way of eating and thinking about food. And what sucks is now we have to think about food more than we did prior to when we were like, oh, we're just going to blindly make something and eat it. Now we look at the stuff. Now we examine stuff. And how often do you pull a thing off the shelf and read stuff and go, oh, God. Basically every time. Every time. Like, one of my favorite things before I really started having health problems in like 2018. I really um, love pasta. Love pasta. Never really looked at it. Just always just got it, ate it, didn't care. Now I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, what was I putting into my body? The, the, now a lot of other people can eat this stuff and have no problem, but I have type two diabetes. So I have to pay attention to everything I put in my body and it sucks because there are days where I want to look at him and be like just get me chicken nugget. I don't care anymore but it's had a significant improvement on my health to pay attention and now we're paying attention to what things are getting put into our bodies yeah we've almost become almost become vegetarians at this point like- we still eat chicken and I still eat fish you don't eat fish you're not a seafood fan but I'll still eat it but red meat like pork a lot of that stuff, um, I had I had Sean get me hot dogs this week because I'm craving a hot dog because it's summer. It's summer here in Rhode Island. You go out and you have soggies and you get clam cakes and chowder. You go down to Oakwood Beach. You watch the waves. You go down to Narragansett of Galilee. I'm more of a Boston accent that I'm doing, or is that the right accent? It's, it's accurate. Close enough. I'm I because I worked in customer service for 20 plus years. I've lost my Rhode Island accent. It comes out when I'm angry. <laughs> the only time it comes out. But I've lost that accent, so I'm not very good at picking it up. I can do other accents, fine. But it's my home state I can't do. Our favorite one we do now is, um, oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah. Don't oh, you know. Gosh. Oh, darn. Don't you know. But, like, and I, he got hot dogs that were healthier, but I still read them, and I'm like, uh, they're better than like oh I'm just gonna get a package of Frank uh, uh, Frank's no ballpark ballpark why did I say Frank I always want to ball- say Frank's ballpark no they're that's ballpark Frank's, Frank's. Oh <laughs> um, <laughs> no like even hot dogs aren't very good for no, you no hot dogs <laughs> are terrible but you take the bun out 
you use right condiments instead of having like greasy fries we'll do sweet potato or i'll do broccoli on the side like we just had to like fix the way we eat but every now and then we'll go down an aisle and i'll be like can i please look at the nutrition facts for a pop tart and the amount of ingredients that are in a pop tart trash and how bad they are and now that i haven't really had i've been on what this no sugar low sugar kick for about what almost two months now yeah dude i smelled a pop tart like my my brother or my i forget who had a pop tart or something like that i smelled it it just smelled cloyingly sweet yeah it's gross like i don't understand like how we have keto brownies here let me tell you they're what the betty crocker I think, I think so, yeah. Betty Crocker Keto Brownies. No, Duncan Hines. Duncan Hines, I'm sorry. Duncan Hines Keto Brownies. If you're keto, or you're low sugar, no sugar, or you're looking for that sweet tooth, it's okay. Sean likes them. Sean's like, I'll eat them. They're okay to me. They're not They're not doing it for me. But it shows you how much sugar really is in stuff. Yeah. So the advertisement with the stuff and the emphasis on what's in it there are no nutrition facts on this container. All it says is one pint, no artificial, no artificial flavorings in it. And I'm like, there's nothing on it that tells you what's in it. And Mo's entire thing was just to find out what's in it. We just want to know what's in it. It's yeah. an alien organism, so you know we don't know what's in there's it. There's no like literally the. That's one of the most infamous things about this movie is like that the design of that like the container mm. and it's throughout this whole movie they put it on cars they put it on the trucks like it's the i think it's like pink purple and brown yeah. or like a it's like a brown like a brown brown beige kind of color yeah. it's a lighter color and it's this like three strips uh, and it just it's in like marshmallow letters it says the, the stuff. stuff and it's very enticing because if you're a kid you'd be like mom i want to try that because it looks fun. It looks like it might be good. And it looks like it's in an ice cream pint. Yeah. But there's nothing on it. There's no facts. There's no nothing. That's Which makes sh- it even scarier. That's a huge red flag. I'd be like, yeah, I ain't touching that. I don't care how good it is. It kind of reminds me of Cool Whip. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think that's why I never ate Cool Whip. Because Cool Whip reminded me of this shit. I can see that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I've never really been a Cool Whip fan because I'm like, oh god, it's now now I feel like, oh god, it's gonna come out of our refrigerator and kill me. Did you notice that there's a lot of close talking in this movie? Yes. Like, so many at so many points, the characters are having conversations and they get uncomfortably close to each other. And I'm not sure why that is. I mean, it, one of the conversations was more of a whispered hush hush thing. Where they're like, but Moe's notorious for like, da 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 Like, I'm sorry, what did you just say without me raising my volume of my television? Yeah, I, I don't know. He, does like, there's the scene where he goes to meet with the, the guy that has the Doberman. And, like, they're sitting really close to each other for some reason. Mm. And then, like, later in the movie when he goes and meets the colonel... They're uncomfortably close at points. He's getting like right up into his neck and he's just like whispering sultry to him. It's so weird. It's like, are we about to see something we didn't ask for in a movie? Uh, Are we about to get other stuff? Oh, not to mention the fact that when he first meets the girl, they're like almost immediately smitten. And then they're (laughs) sleeping together. 
and kissing each other. I'm even, like, what happened? Even though they got conjoining rooms, because he mentions specifically the conjoining rooms, yeah, and then it literally hard cuts them laying in bed holding hands together. Like, what the fuck? And she's she's in his t-shirt. She's Is she? I didn't even yeah, notice that. Yeah, she's in his button up. And I was like, what happened? Like, good on you, girl. Go get go get it. But what happened? Where? Because they mentioned that oh, I'm meeting her. They're meeting each other for dinner. And then he cuts to go get Jason and then comes back and they have a hotel. And I'm like, and then they just leave Jason in the tanker. They leave him in the tanker. They leave him in the plane. The plane yep. gets attacked by stuff. Then he goes in a tanker and the two adults just get a room together and don't even bother to know where Jason is. I, there's so much that's like misplaced in this movie. Like another thing I noted towards the very end is like, why the fuck does Jason act more like he's meant to be an adult character because like all of a sudden he's like in this situation with all these military officials talking to them like he's running the show right and they're just like going with it like he's part of the act this active operation like what the he's a child he must not (laughs) he's got to be anywhere between eight to twelve yeah like he's not he's not a teenager why would you let him come on this Fucking He's had first hand experience though. He dealt with his family, who obviously was obsessed with the stuff. And, oh my god, like And he was in a tanker with the stuff and he was able to survive. So he's survived longer than those those military guys. Yeah, but I mean like yeah, kids can be crafty, but like that's not Kids can be crafty, but who yeah. says let's get into the oil tanker when it says the stuff on the side of it? You don't know <sighs> what it's gonna happen, kiddo? He's an idiot. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but, like, no one throughout this movie acts like they're in a dire situation at all. No. Like, no. everything feels so matter-of-fact and, like, it's not a problem. Everybody's huh. just like... The world's obsessed eh. with some alien white goo that everybody's eating. Stop eating it. Start burning it. Ooh. There's no urgency in this. And they describe the people like zombie-like. This was there was no zombie-like to this movie. No, I I get what they mean like in terms of that they're like a collective maybe focused on this one thing like mm. they're not like zombies only want to eat you. Like that's all that they do. All we want to do is eat your brains. <laughs> it's an actual song. My my last couple notes here were, I I love the fact that the movie ends on a note that like, in the in the face of utter defeat, the bean counters still find a way to profit off the stuff by repackaging it, rebranding it, and selling it under a new name. It's like, come on, like, but it's very realistic. If something failed in some way, they would just find a way to resell it to you a different yep. form. At the end, they were already trying to market it as the taste and only having, like, a couple like, oh, there's only 10% of the stuff in this, and, you know, it's good for you. It and, can't grab a hold. Yeah, it doesn't, it's not gonna grab a hold. It's like, are you fucking stupid? But this is what happened. Like, I, honestly, that might have been a comment on the film industry. True. How many times do we get the same exact movie again and again with a different fucking title? Oh my god. <laughs> like, Especially lately. It's been ridiculous. Oh my god. It keeps happening. I mean, this movie in and of itself is a repackaging of the blob. Yeah. 
Like, it's just another another movie with the same fucking plot. But it, it doesn't do what The Blob did. No. The Blob was incredible back in the 50s and again in the 80s. The Blob is still incredible now. I hate, I hate The Blob too, but that's that's for another day. I just don't like... I don't like melt movies. So, Ugh. that brings me to my last point here. Yes. I always remember this as being a melt movie. This really isn't a melt movie. This is not... I would not consider this a melt movie. This is considered... I've also heard other people consider this a melt movie. I mean, nobody melts. No. I would put this more with, like, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Yeah, It's a like, body snatching movie. It is a body snatching movie. Or, a blob, like, a blob movie. Creature feature. Creature feature sounds better. I Yeah, I wanted this to be more than I... Rem- like, I remember it being better than it is because I saw it young. But children are dumb. That's true. <laughs> I don't know. Like, there are far better melt movies that we will eventually cover. Ice Cream Melting Outside is a better movie. That's a little harsh. So's the sun. Oh! Uh, I miss the outside, guys. <laughs> Do you have any other comments, notes, before we get into closing questions? No, I do not. All right, then. Bring it on, Tedro. Overall thoughts on the film. I won't watch this again. <laughs> this movie was stupid. And Larry Cohen, you can come after me. I don't care. I I agree with him on one thing. I saw one trivia fact that he was upset that they marketed this as a horror movie. This is not a horror movie. N- no, if anything, this is a satire. And that's what he marketed as, as a satire movie. They twisted this. I always thought the stuff was a horror movie. That's the way I knew it as. Now that I've watched it, it's no different than Idiocracy. It's just showing how one thing can corrupt people's minds if you're able to twist it enough to make it sound like a good deal. That's how I feel about it. I, yeah, I I agree. Uh, I think I find this movie fun. And especially if you're like drinking with your friends and just sitting around and you want to throw on a movie, this is a good one. Oh, yeah. Like, because it's just, it's wacky, it's stupid, you can laugh at it, and it has its gross-out moments, it's got its thrills, but, I don't know, overall, like, I think it's, it was definitely mishandled. Larry Cohen has never been the greatest of filmmakers, and it shows in a lot of his early work. Yeah. This one, I think he tried to do something interesting, um, he basically mashed together the blob thing, and... Invasion of the Body Snatchers and like tried to make something unique out of it. Uh, it's satirical, which is always fun to watch, mm. in my opinion, at least. Apparently, he he said that the original cut of the film was much longer, and he described it as more dense and sophisticated. <laughs> they ended up cutting the movie down because they felt like it was too long and like the pace was too slow. Mm. Apparently, there was a bigger romantic scene between Mo and Mo the chick, and the chick mm-hmm. um, that took place in the hotel room, but they cut that. Apparently in 2021, this longer cut was found. Oh. So we may eventually get another re-release of this. That might be cool. Did you have any favorites? I have two lines that I thought were funny. Okay. I bet mine is bigger than yours. <laughs> I kind of like the sight of blood, but this is disgusting. Yeah, that's a that's a good point, um, which we didn't mention. 
So the the stuffies throughout this movie are so consumed by the stuff that when they get killed or injured, they literally bleed it. Yep. Like there's no blood anymore. It's just stuff that it's comes just, out of them. Just stuff. Which I thought was pretty cool. I, I wandered onto Villains Wiki, and the stuff has its own Villains Wiki biography. Several railroad workers discovered a yogurt-like white alien substance bubbling out of the ground. First thing, don't touch it. With it being found to be sweet and addictive, it's marketed as the stuff sold to general public like ice cream. It has no calories, it's creamy, sweet, and filling, and drastically hurts ice cream sales. This gives more of a synopsis for this fucking movie. Than the actual synopsis? Yep. (laughs) There's a post-credit scene we missed. Is there? Yeah. It says, in a post-credit scene, a woman is in a bathroom saying, enough is never enough while holding the whites, the, the, holding the stuff. Okay. So, maybe we should have watched till the end. Yeah, like, fuck the it. poster for this movie is fucking intense. I love the poster for this movie. The poster I... makes this movie look like, it's coming out of his mouth and his eyes. Never came out of anybody's eyes. No. Looks better on, on the poster. It looks incredible on the poster, and I've seen the... I've seen the trailer for this, and it looks like a horror movie. That's how they, nope. that's how they did the marketing. Yeah. You failed, 80s. You failed. Um, so I had a couple favorites listed. What are your favorites? I love the scene, the Jason's freak out in the supermarket. That oh whole gosh, scene so was awesome. And I absolutely adore Chocolate Chips Charlie. <laughs> that character is so amazing. And stri- he walks straight out of a black exploitation movie. So funny. And it's amazing. It's hilarious. I-, I can't get enough of him. I wish he was in the whole film. I wish he didn't die in the end, yeah. Uh, does it work? No. It doesn't work because the story's not fleshed out enough. It needs some things to be taken completely out and some things to be added. Like, there's three different stories going on in this. It needs to have, okay... Take out maybe one story and focus on two, or take out two and focus on only one. To me, the whole thing with Jason just seemed pointless. Why was Jason involved in this? It just seemed like Jason was a reason for them to be like, oh, okay, like we're going to just have a kid get in trouble a couple of times, and there you go. I but, wish they had killed him. Uh, honestly, <laughs> I do too. I am not condoning the death of children in movies, but. Yeah, I could have seen him die in this one. <laughs> yeah, it, it was... I don't know. So, I only think this really works in a for-fun type of way. Yeah. Like, it's not... Nothing about... The acting sucks, the effects suck, the yeah. fucking story is, as we said, it's Sub-time. very hard to follow, and it's yeah. a jumbled mess of scenes. The satirical nature is there. That comes through. So yeah. That, that works, but... Overall, it, as as a cohesive film, it doesn't really work. But a lot of things from this era didn't work. Yeah. So you can just lump this in with that list. Oh, well. Great concept. Not great execution. Next. Would you recommend it? Flat out, no. Reasoning is the same as, as before. Just, it's a tough one. Maybe it might be one of those movies that if you've got friends who know can stomach this kind of thing, because this kind of made me a little nauseous, kind of. Maybe I might be like, oh, let's get high and drunk and watch this. But this is not going to be a first pick, so no. I won't recommend this one. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I would not 
I would only recommend this if you're just looking for something silly and stupid to watch. I would not recommend this if you want a, f- a good movie experience. Mm. This is, it's definitely something I would probably enjoy watching with the right group of people. But that's also hard because like you have to have the the right mindsets. Like if you just, if I were to just throw this on with your friends, for example, or your sister or whoever, like they would find this boring and stupid. I think my brother would watch this. My brother hates horror movies. Point in case, my brother has never listened to the podcast because he's doesn't like horror movies. But we don't only do horror movies. I know that. Wait till we do a sentimental sad movie that I'm going to pick. Oh boy. Yeah. Sean's going to hate himself. But even this one, I think he'd watch and be like, the fuck is this? I don't know. It's a fun time. Ultimately, I wouldn't really recommend this to most people. Mm. How would you do this today? I don't know if I would. If I would, it'd be a completely different story. It'd be something completely different. I don't think I'd stick with the stuff. It would be a different kind of... Kind of like a mystery. Kind of like an M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know how to say his last name properly. Shyamalan. Shyamalan. It'd be kind of like a movie like his where there's a lot of twists and turns and shit, but... I think think if I was going to make this today, I'd probably try to stick to the... What plot there is. But I would... I think I'd try to make it... Do it in a very serious way. Like, I think I would remove the satire... Like, the satire would be there. Just in terms of, like... Obviously, this is referencing, like, the consumerism and all that stuff. But I think... I would try to treat it way more seriously. I would try to... Explain a bit more of the stuff. And, like... Maybe not where it comes from, but what it does. Mm -hmm. What it is. Like, what it, uh... What the rules of it are, like how it works, like we were talking about. I think there's enough there where you could even, if you wanted to, try a limited series. Like, I think it's meaty enough to do that. I don't know if I would, but I think you could make something pretty cool out of this if done properly. And this is one of those movies I don't think anybody would ever try to remake unless they were a huge fan of the original or somebody like me, like... Or if I thought I could do something different with it. Like, if, say, a studio called me up tomorrow and was just like, hey, we want you to remake the stuff. I'd be like, okay, I'll do that. Because I feel like I could add something to it or do something Mm -hmm. different with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think this movie had good intentions. I think the plot, there was enough plot there. It just wasn't executed well. Yeah. So the big question, is this mainstream exploitation or other? I feel like... He was trying to do something different, so I'm going to say other. It's not it's not mainstream, but it's not grindhouse. It's, it's definitely other. It's This one's a tough one for me, because this definitely isn't mainstream. But I feel like this could be considered exploitation in a lot of ways. Like, it features enough elements where they kind of threw everything they possibly could into it including an exploitation character but it's a satire so it also kind of shifts it a little towards other i don't really know this is a hard one to place i would probably if i was just categorizing my movies or something i'd probably stick it into exploitation do you have any other thoughts you wanted to share i'm gonna hide this movie once we have the big archive it's just gonna get hidden so we never have to see it again (laughs) i'm not gonna make you watch this again yeah. This stuff sucked. Ah!
On that note, that brings our discussion of the stuff to an end. Put the lid on it. Well, don't go anywhere just yet. Stay tuned for the coming attractions. This is the night when fear and horror walk hand in hand. This is Black Sabbath. Starring the incomparable Boris Karloff, the personable Mark Damon, and lush and lovely women. Even though one is from the netherworld, a vampire, a burdelac. Black Sabbath, as ancient a superstition, as modern as the telephone. How nice you look with that towel around you. You always did have a beautiful body. Beautiful. A body to drive someone crazy. Michael, why are you? Black Sabbath. The bare truth about the unbelievable such as the brilliant beauty of a priceless jewel that holds within the body of a buzzing fly a vengeful woman's murderous spirit. <coughs> Only on the seventh night of the seventh full moon can the living see the lifeless undead. I am hungry. Is he man? <laughs> Vampire. An adventure into black magic that goes beyond the boundaries of the supernatural. And a man's devoted love is welcomed by a woman's deadly lust for his blood. movie out because it said Black Sabbath and it's uh oh god who's on the cover Boris Karloff it's an older 1960s movie and you had read the other day on the back of it that it's an anthology I'm actually really excited by this one yeah this is uh this is one of the Boris Karloff movies I haven't seen and uh I don't know why I've never seen it I just guess I never watched it but I didn't know it was an anthology film. Mm. And this is a pretty early anthology film. This came out in 63. Yeah. So that's surprising to me. I didn't know they were really doing that that early. I don't know. It, it looked cool. The cover looks cool. Um, these ones that I picked out for next couple of weeks, the one prior to this that I picked out. Oh, God. House on Haunted Hill. House on Haunted Hill. Um, the one prior to that one, Death Carries a Cane, and there's another one I picked that's up there that I don't know which, it's probably going to be two more after this. I picked them off of the Grindhouse website, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to pick these ones, because the covers looked cool. That's why I picked them. 
So you chose them essentially the way you would choose a movie in a video store. I, yes. The cover grabs you. Yes, it did. <laughs> and this cover online grabbed me more than the one on the D, on the Blu-ray. But Boris Karloff and it says Black Sabbath. I was like, ooh, this might be interesting. I personally am a, a big fan of anthologies. So I think this could be kind of fun. I don't know. I, I've always kind of liked that idea of like multiple stories coming together to form a bigger film Mm. it's basically like short films that kind of work together Mm. which you don't see outside of anthology films um i know you're not the biggest fan of anthologies not really because it just takes there's a lot of time and effort in anthologies because you have to watch like say like oh this is story number four out of how many and i have to watch the previous ones to kind of get it I like those stories where it says, nope, it can be a standalone story. You don't have to watch the others. So there's some anthologies that I'm like, uh, I don't want to have to watch four previous movies to understand what the hell's happening in this. But unless I have the first one, I'm fine. What you're talking about isn't an anthology. Sweet. Am I dumb? (laughs) So you're essentially talking about a franchise. Yeah. Isn't that the same thing? No. An anthology film is where... One movie is made up of multiple short stories. Okay. So like Creep Show or picture it like Tales from the Crypt or Twilight Zone where but take three or four episodes and just put them together with a story that wraps them all together. Okay. So essentially like in Creep Show for example, I don't think you've seen Creepshow. Never. I've never seen the newer one or the older one. But you have... There's three stories, I think, in Creepshow. I think it's three. Yeah. Three stories in Creepshow, and then there's a story that is being told where that kind of wraparounds, wraps around them to where, like, that wraparound story, someone is telling those stories. You know what I mean? Okay. That's what an anthology film is. So... I guess then I don't really have an opinion about anthologies because you could also say that a lot of series that we watch on television are anthologies. They're smaller stories, but there's a bigger story connecting it by the end of the series. Also, no. What? Come on. That's how I'm interpreting it. (laughs) That's not really what I mean. You'll see, I believe. Maybe not with... I haven't seen this one, so Mm. I can't say that this will be a perfect example, but... Definitely by the time we get to something like Creepshow, so you'll I've understand. maybe I've never seen a true anthology then. Maybe not. Wow, wow. So this should be interesting. Something new that I picked out that I didn't even know I picked out. <laughs> interesting. But that about wraps up this episode. If you want to keep up with everything that we're doing, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Grindhouse Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grindhouse Cast. You can find us on Discord where you can chat with Leah. All the links for everything are down in the show notes. Uh, we hope that you listen to us. Maybe give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your morning fix. New episodes come out first thing every Monday morning. If you like what we're doing and you want to show us some support, you can find all that information down below. Until next week, I'm Sean. Oh shit, I'm Leah. Thanks for listening (laughs) and keep watching. See you.
shocking nature of many scenes in this film, it is definitely not recommended for the squeamish. <laughs>